You found it. The no-nonsense, no-script podcast you've been waiting for. Real people on real issues. Welcome to Dynamic Independence. The home of logic, reason, and common sense. Let's do it. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in today. I'm Johnny Anderson, and I'm joined today by Bruce Adams. Good afternoon, Bruce. How are you today? Good afternoon. Uh, you know, healthy, alive, doing well. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Are you still healthy after seeing Joe's VP pick? Yeah, I, that's um, that's actually that's actually a fun one. I, I don't uh, I don't see how that's going to really help him out. I think that's more going to be a a um, I don't know. I think that's gonna it's gonna bite him in the ass later. Somebody just put up on Parlor. They said, "Who do you think Kamala Harris's VP pick is gonna be?" And to be honest with you, I mean, I, they're not I wrong. Mean, I responded. I responded. I put my two cents in there. I said it's gonna be Bernie Sanders. I mean, that's who I'd pick if I was Kamala Harris. I'd pick Bernie Sanders, wouldn't you? So, I I can see it. At the same time, they're 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 kind of opposed to one another because Kamala's branded, okay, quote unquote, branded as being this hard on crime and Bernie isn't hard on crime. He's more about, Mm -hmm. he's more for criminal justice reform and basically decriminalizing just about everything. So, I mean, whereas Kamala was putting um, nonviolent drug offenders into prison for longer, like the maximum sentence that, that was possible. So, I mean, you know, kind of, kind of opposed to one another. And I, I I would kind of think that's, a problem right now when she was considered very hard on crime and whatnot, which, by the way, she wasn't really hard on crime as much as uh, she was exploiting prisoners for cheap labor. But, you know, it's kind of funny. Kind of reminiscent of slavery. Yeah, it's, it's kind of funny that she kind of takes the uh, the CCP line when it comes to that. that that's what they're all about, right? They're, they're all about driving yeah. low wage and, and things like that. See, we can't do that in the U.S., but if you're incarcerated, then we can extort the slave labor, can't we? We can pay them 30 cents a day as opposed to, you know, $30 an hour in some cases. Yeah. You know who else did that in recent times during the, the, the pandemic? Cuomo tried that with his hand sanitizer. You know, when he was sitting there and uh, smelling it, and it's like had a smell of lilac that. and I something else. That. I forget what the... Yeah, they tried to make their own hand sanitizer that was um, slightly better jails? as far as... Yeah, they, they, they were making it in the jails. They were using prison labor to... Now, what he said was they were producing it in the jails. But really what was happening is a company was producing it and they were rebottling it in the jails. And and that's what the that's what their job was, is just to rebottle it. So, uh, yeah. That, well, uh, to be fair, coming he's, out and yeah, he's going to have he's going to have to do something about revenue. I learned today right. that the state of New York is out of 50 states. OK, number one being the best in economic outlook. Number 50 being the worst. Do you know what number 50 was? <laughs> New York. It was New York. <laughs> That's what it is. Do you see what's happening in New York? Do you see what's happening up there? It's going straight to the bottom because of what's happening, mm-hmm. because of what's going on. And now they're saying what? You've got to get tested. What is it? Once a month? Now you got to get tested once a month in New York? Yeah. yeah. Now, is this everybody? This is everybody that wants to go back to work and go to back to school. So if you want to do those two things, you all have to get ta- uh, tested at least once a month. OK, so. All right. Yeah, I see it here. All right. So uh, New Yorkers get tested for coronavirus once every month as schools and businesses begin to reopen. So wait a minute. 
like supposedly this thing's only as good as when you get tested to the time you walk out. But if you if you don't have an instant result, then which could be a two thirds case would be a false positive, then you could walk around potentially for two weeks not knowing the results infecting other people. Right. So I, I want to know who's got investments in the testing companies. That That's what I want to know. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's it's obviously going to cost you the taxpayer, and you know New York's going to try to push it off onto the the Fed and not the state. So mm-hmm. yeah, see, and they even I, say I, right I here, like we're it. hearing there are delays from up to seven to fourteen days for some people. Yeah, they're saying once a month uh, for people to get tested, and it says until we get more expedited test results, we may want to limit it as needed, or if you need to go back into some kind of environment like a school or work environment. So essentially, what they're saying is, uh, we're not going to reopen ever. And when we do reopen, it's going to be restrictive. I mean, it's going to be heavily restricted. It's restricted now. Look at the checkpoints. Look at the unconstitutional and illegal checkpoints they put in. How on earth is that supposed to help business? How on earth is that supposed to help you get back to some kind of normal? New York's doing a $10,000 fine, right? They're doing a $10,000 fine. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. If you violate the uh, the quarantine orders, right? $10,000 fine in New York. $2,000. It's $2,000. So $2,000 if you enter New York and refuse to sign the paperwork. And then $10,000 for not or for violating the quarantine. And then, yeah, and Connecticut. Sorry. Well, see, Bruce, there's an easy solution to this. And that is you just give everyone a little badge. Mm, and yes. and you just, uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, that's the easiest way to identify mm-hmm. somebody. And then you just well, let I, them. Why not? Why don't we just update it a little bit and do like an RFID chip that has like all you your could. information on there? You could. That yeah. would be a lot easier. Yeah. You know, just, just something yeah. small. Not, I mean, you you would hardly notice it. And you just yeah. all you, you do is basically yeah. you just pull up to a contact point. You scan that chip that's, you mm-hmm. know, just just right underneath the skin. It's no big deal. Yeah. And you yeah, just, just scan put, that put and it, on the right it has hand, all your you know? information on it. Yeah. Just put it yeah. on your right hand, you know, the yeah. little the little spot right there, you know, the uh-huh, fleshy bit uh-huh. between your thumb and your finger, you know. Yeah. Well, no, right see, there, you'd have to, no, you'd have to do it on the left side because if you're driving a car, then you could just hold your hand out the window. Oh, yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah. Good point. And then, uh, you know, if you want to buy or sell anything, you know, that would that would. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Just put things, the readers you know, right in the businesses. Yeah. 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 And yeah. then, of course, if you wanted to log in to say, you know, your social media account or your phone or something, yeah. then. Yeah, you just swipe you that. Just use the you use the uh, use the reader on the phone, and mm-hmm. I mean it logs you right yeah. in. It's, Covers everything. Why, why in the world you want to get into your house? World, why isn't anyone thinking of this stuff? Uh, right, it, it's just super convenient. You know, I mean, house. You can start your car that way. You know, mm-hmm. it make things really convenient. Mm-hmm. Just all right there. You wouldn't have to worry about forgetting your keys any longer. Since we're on that subject, someone brought this to my attention the other day. We can talk about this because I know you and I have gotten into this a lot in the past. Okay, cashless, cashless mm-hmm. society. And the question posed to me was, can you guys talk about cashless societies again? And I said, well, why is that? And they said, well, I don't really like handling cash. I handle cash every day and it's just dirty. Well, money's dirty, right? It is. Money's just dirty. Yeah. They said, well, what's the downside to everyone using cards? What's the downside to it? What's what's so bad about everyone using debit and credit cards? What's so bad about that? And Mm -hmm. quite simply, I just kind of threw out a, you know, a laundry list of things. Um, But let's let's get into a little bit of that. So, um, you know, it's, it's a good topic because we're hearing more and more about that. And now they're talking about, well, let's just let's just use the European Central Bank. Let's just use the Fed and we're just going to give everyone an account. Mm-hmm. And then it's a single entity. And see, no one's going to have to worry about that. No, no one's going to have to worry about all these different financial institutions. You can just go to this one institution and everything will be taken care of until that one institution makes you conform to whatever they want you to do. 
or you know, uh, you don't have to worry about transaction fees, you know, like or or conversion fees, you know, converting from one currency to another. You know, I mean, there's there's some. Here's the thing: going cashless is very convenient uh, in our society with technology and everything. It is. It's a lot faster. For, you know, it, it is a lot faster. Yeah. Um, you don't have to worry about carrying the cash, you know, uh, I know we were being facetious about it, but having the little implant, seriously, I mean, that would be convenient well, if you had the implant in, we've already got them. We, yeah, we do. The we do. Pass. And there's been companies, well, pay, yeah, but companies have actually been using the implants, uh, to give access to employees to their, instead of having a keypad to, yes. or, or a key to get in, they're using yes. these RFID chips that they implant and, you know, I mean, legitimately, those are convenient things. And it, it does. Um, I mean, there uh, other than the risks of RFID in general, um, yeah. you know, it'd be easy to scan, you know, those kind of things. It, it does provide a level of convenience. You know, um, if you had one of those chips, we were we were joking about it, but you're not going to lose your card. Right. Or uh, it's less likely it's going to get stolen. You know, you lose your, your wallet that's, or something that or your right purse there gets stolen. That right there. That's not true. That's not true. Let me explain why. We were tasked to do a project for an American corporation. I will not say which one, but they wanted to know how much of a risk they were going to be at if they were to issue RFID cards to their clients. So Mm -hmm. they said, how secure is this technology? We need you to find out. We need you to do a a project on this and then bring it to us. Okay, Mm -hmm. so we did do it. And I told you this story privately, but it's uh, I'll Mm -hmm. I'll mention now. So we, we did this and. About $25 worth. That's literally all we spent. We spent about $25 on eBay and we bought all the hardware we needed in order to prove the security flaw in this type of technology. And so what did we do? Essentially, what you do, you have the reader on you, say, like in a jacket pocket or in a, um, you know, down down in one of your pants pockets or something or in a backpack or whatever. And you literally you can walk through a crowd of people and you can digitally pickpocket them. That's essentially yes. what you can do, because all you're doing is you're reading those cards. You're reading those chips. So you pull all that information off. I paid with PayPass not an hour ago. I was down at the local shop and it was, you know, I had I paid with a credit card and it was right there. I mean, you know, the the, uh, the the contact point. So you just tap your card and boom, it goes through. I was using that stuff maybe 12, 13 years ago. But that technology has been there longer than that. U.S. passports already have it, but mm-hmm. it is not uh, it is not safe. It is not as secure as what people think. It is convenient. Right. Yes. But unless you have that particular card or whatever it is secured, in, say, something that is able to block RFID signals, someone's going to be able to access that information if they have a desire to. Right. And that's that's exactly my point, though, is you can't steal like the wallet or the purse. Right. And get the the card, the physical card. But exactly as you're saying, it'll be able to be scanned. Uh, I, I've seen a great example of that to expound upon it. There was some dude they, they were showing it as an example. Some dude shoplifted. Right. And as he was walking out of the store, one of the cashiers just took the scanner and swiped it over where his wallet, you know, his back pocket was and showed it to the camera and showed that it charged his card from in his wallet, you know, through his wallet and pants and everything. And and basically that was a, you know, an example. If that was the case and they're there. Yeah. So anyway, it would be it would change how theft is right it's not a physical theft anymore it's a digital theft right the other issue is now everything's online anyway 
So everything's going to get, you know, it, it's accessible online. So you'll, you'll be able to steal from things online without even having to scan it. But anyway, all that to say, having everything digitized means, uh, for example, uh, you do a business deal. So let's say I want to sell my firearm, okay, or I want to buy one. And I set up a deal with a friend or a cousin or, or whatever, you know, family member, whoever, or just some random stranger. All right, I go in and buy the gun and it's a private transaction. Okay, so in this state, I do not have to go through a dealer. I don't have to do anything fancy. I just buy the gun, right? And if it was digitized, that means I have to go through some kind of, there, there is now a digital trail. So they could deny it. Uh, for example, if the, the, the company found out that it was a, you know, a, a weapons trade or, or deal, or, you know, they could block it. If they're trying to bar your second amendment, right. And require you by law to do the trade at a, you know, gun store and have it registered and all the other nonsense that the government has no right to do. Mm-hmm. Um, they would be able to enact it. And then on top of that, they could block you from ever using your, your currency again. Um, if you're, if they say you're an offender of some kind or you're canceled or fired or blocked, uh, you know, whatever, um, they could bar you from having access to all of your currency. Like you would not be able to use a hard currency, a cash to do any kind of, of trades or deals. Um, so that trade or deal that you did for the firearm or any other thing that you would have done with cash is now taxed. Uh, the government, you cannot get away from taxes now. Uh, it is now, uh, which, you know, you, you know, you know, my opinion on that, that's uh, extortion by the government. Um, and we've pointed it out before the um, uh, Tea Party was uh, Boston Tea Party was over a 3% tax. And now we're paying in the vicinity two. of 50%, depending on where you're at. Oh, 2%. 2% excuse me. Yes. We don't want to overtax and the here we American are. Revolution. We, we don't want to overtax the right. American Revolution. Right. That, that's true. I don't know. I, I mean, personally, I, I like the idea of the convenience. I don't like the idea of they have absolute control at that point. You, you would not be able to, to do any kind of trades or deals um, with cash. Uh, on top of that, if the system goes down, you have no access to your cash, your currency. Let's say everything goes to crap. The electricity is down. Everything is down. I need to do trades or deals. Um, I can either use gold, silver, or cash if cash is still, you know, valid at that point. Uh, so I, 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 so I'm not for digital at all. What happens if there's a hiccup with the system, a glitch, and you all of a sudden have too much money or not no money at all? Like, you know, I mean, <laughs> that's that already happens now. now, but. That's all they do now. Yeah. They just add the numbers. I mean, when the Fed prints money, they don't physically print cash any longer. They just add the right. money to the they balance sheet. That's the money. It. Yeah, yeah. That's the thing. Yeah, that's actually a good point because if the amount of money that we just put out, you know, for the the COVID thing, it would have taken, I believe, it would have taken like four years to print if they were printing twenty four seven. Because I, I think it's about a trillion dollars if they were to physically print it. It's about a trillion dollars a year is what we can do. I think is it is, really is, is that all we can do? Really? I, I think that's all we can do in a year. Yeah. I mean, if we're printing, well, I mean, what what about the one trillion dollar coin? I mean, that's all we need to do, right? Right. Yeah, one trillion dollars <laughs> worth of platinum. Yeah. Right. That's that's so, more platinum that's on than on the earth. But yeah. right. So my argument was it was exactly that. I mean, that was pretty much the point that I told this person. I said no private sales ever again. Everything would be taxed, tracked, mm-hmm. controlled, and traced. All of it. So there's yep. no way of getting around it. And then on top of that, the censorship. Look at the censorship. We've been screaming mm-hmm. about this censorship for over a year. We've been doing podcasting for 
you know, a little over a year. But we've been talking about it before that. We're like, censorship is coming. Yeah. Now you say, well, what's that got to do with going cashless? It's got everything to do with it. Because if you decide that you're going to step outside of the agenda, well, then they'll, they'll just turn you off if you don't if you don't obey. Right. If you don't listen. Social credit. Exactly. Look what's happening to the doctors that come out and they speak against COVID. They speak against the WHO and the NIH and the UN narrative. They speak against this. What happens? Everything gets shut off. Imagine if their finances got shut off, too. And in some cases, it is. It is. PayPal already banning conservatives. They've been doing it for over six months. Mm -hmm. Patreon is now doing it. What are you supposed to do if you step over the line? If you step out of line, rather, then what happens to you? You said you you made an interesting point. You said, well, if you're accused of being a criminal, they'll just turn you off. Well, what could be that if you have a certain ideological standpoint that's in place in the power structure within a country, within the government itself? Look at what the radical uh, movement in the U.S. is doing with BLM and Antifa. Well, if yeah. you you're racist. don't, yeah, you're you're a racist. If whatever, you know, just pick mm-hmm. whatever you want. Um, yeah. Imagine. OK, I- imagine if you're not able to buy food, if you're a Christian, imagine mm-hmm. that that's that's white. a crime. That's a crime to the radical left. Yeah. So is being white. I mean, that's what they're trying to brand white people as they're they're white people it's are sad. inherently racist. It's, it's what really BLM sad. Says. Yeah, I, I know that, but it's it's really sad. But it is they, yeah. again. It's it's this type of movement, and not 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 just saying that that's the only one. Not saying that, but it's that type of authoritarian ideology, be it right or left, when they get in control of a system like that that you put in place under the guise of bettering society. Well, then look at what you can cause by doing that. So it's best by not allowing that type of system to be brought in in the first place. So you can avoid that process. But any way you slice it, any way you slice it, cashless, not the way to go. Not the way to go. I will forever be against uh, a cashless society. I understand the convenience side of it. I do. Mm -hmm. I don't pay with cash that often. I really don't. But I still carry some. And I still use it, but I think if as long as we can keep a hybrid system of some kind, I'm okay with that. I'm fine with that. But the the problem is is that the ultimate goal here is exactly what they're trying to promote now. How much longer before? Okay, because we know the second wave's coming, right? We we know that's coming. They're saving mm-hmm. that agenda for a couple of things. They're saving it for cold and flu season. They're saving it for cold weather. They're saving it for the election, so they can then ramp all that up. And they can say, oh, look at all these people that are dying. And, it, and people will be dying of the regular flu, right? Just like they do every year mm-hmm. because we don't have flu deaths anymore. And you know what they're going to say? How long until they start saying it's on the money? How long? Well, they're already saying some of the food has it. China was saying some of the food imported from, uh, uh, I, don't, I, don't, I don't remember which country it was. They imported some chicken, I think it was. And they were saying that that chicken was infected with COVID-19. Of course, I, it's China. I didn't even, I mean, that, yeah, I didn't even you know. think, well, let's, let's not, let's not even mention the fact that, well, you know, it's where it came from in the first place. Let's not mention that. Right, right, right. But honestly, going cashless, uh, like you said, it, it's convenient. But at the same time, the amount of control they will do, that means government has complete control over your bank account. Now you could say, oh, well, no, it's, it's, it's my local bank. It's a, it's a company. It's a corporation. Corporate fascism, right? The, the new thing that they're trying to do, the, the, uh, what, what were they calling it now? The um, progressive capitalism or um, what's the mm. other one that, that, that was in the paper about um, shareholder? Stakeholder. Stakeholder capitalism. Stakeholder capitalism. We have shareholder capitalism. That's what's coming. Now. 
Right, right. Yeah, I, I was trying to remember the term. That's and that's what they're and t- shooting for. That will be also based on a mixture of things, stakeholder capitalism, of which will be what? Social capital is what they called it, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's basically the government owns the business, more or less, uh, just like fascism or communism. So you can't say any longer, well, the bank is, uh, you know, a corporate business, whatever. They're a separate entity from the government. Well, not only are they wanting to do that, but they're also wanting to have a centralized global banking system. So, yeah, I mean, we go digital. Uh, that's just one more step to social credit. That's just one more step towards uh, complete control. And exactly as he said, if they deem something as wrong, and, you know, you you sneeze and don't cover your mouth. Well, your social credit score went down. That means you have less access or you're fined or what have you. And you, you have no recourse. You can't you can't fight it. I, I don't think people really grasp the gravity of the situation because I, I try to tell people about this kind of stuff from time to time. Just in passing, I'll say, you know, that's, you, you know, you really because they're, they're telling me, oh, look at this smartwatch I got or uh, look at these uh, these things over here that track this. And I'm like, do you understand what that is? Do, do you really understand what that is? Like, that's a step. That, that's a step. That's a starting step to get you used to that system down the road. After they get done telling me that I'm just paranoid and then I explain to them what all of this stuff is, they look at me and say, oh, you got that from a TV show. Well, do you know why they make TV shows and movies about this kind of thing? So they can desensitize yeah. you and get you used to it. So when it comes, yeah. you accept it and you don't fight back yeah. against it because you think, oh, OK, this is here now. This is here now. This is like what I saw out of the TV show or out of the movie. They do that on purpose. So you know that when it comes to you, you don't push back. And that's the real danger. I liken it to the wild animal that gets slowly penned up. And that's Mm -hmm. what you say. Okay, well, how does that happen? Well, you just put some food out. The animal walks up to it and he has a little bit of it and then he runs away. Well, he goes up to it the next day and there's one side of a fence up. He doesn't think anything about it. He eats more of the food and then he walks away, goes up there the next day. Another side of the fence is up and then another and then another. Then there's a gate. He has to walk through the gate to get the food. Once he gets to the food, landowner slams the gate shut behind him. Now you're stuck. And that's where we're headed. If people don't wake up, which in a way, I hate to say it in a way, we're kind of um, we're kind of in a catch 22 now with this covid stuff because we kind of. Yeah, uh, (sighs) this is the longest 14 days of my life, man. You know, this is (laughs) this is not exactly uh, it was supposed to be. Oh, it was just till Easter, right? Just till Easter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Everything was. Oh, no, up. Yeah. no, no, no. We're not going to. No, we're not going to go all the way in, into July. Are you crazy? No, it's the middle of August. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we're talking about this uh, digital currency, you know, to keep you safe, to ensure that uh, you're you're safe, you haven't been exposed to COVID-19. Nobody around you has been exposed to it. And, you know, you haven't been exposed to them. We're going to have to track you. You know, we're going to we have this chip. It has all your information on there. It tracks you. It tracks people around you. It notifies you if you're coming into contact with someone that's been infected with COVID-19. And it also has, uh, you know, other convenient items such as your banking, your, um, you know, medical records, you know, all that kind of stuff. You know, it has all access to all that on there. So, you know, you, you go to a store or something, you can just swipe it. You go to take a flight or something, you just swipe it and it's all right there. You know, you got the passport and all that. And again, that's it. convenience. That's convenience. In Sweden, convenience. they're already it's doing secure. it. If you want to travel in Sweden, they're offering anyone that wants to take chips in Sweden. If you want to take public transport, if you have a chip, you get on public transport for free. Yeah. So it's a it's for your safety is what I meant. Uh, it's for your safety that they're going to do this. It's for your security. 
Not to mention the device isn't really secure itself, but it's for your safety. That's how they're going to brand it. Or the, the other thing to point out is uh, our economy is on the verge of collapse right now. And I don't know that we stop it from collapsing. That That's the problem. We've dumped so much money into the economy right now. The reason it has not collapsed right currently is because of the money the government's dumped into it. It's caused inflation in the stock market, which everybody's saying, oh, the stock market's going back up. It's all good. We're, we're, we're on the road to recovery. No, that's inflation no. from the money the government's dumped yeah. into it. Yeah. And that inflation is slowly starting to seep its way into our daily lives. You know, um, uh, most products right now, I believe, are on a 3% increase this year alone so far. Um, if, uh, if we continue down that road, uh, <laughs> our economy crashes, world economy crashes, I mean, it's probably going to be worse here because, you know, we're doing all these crazy lockdowns and everything. Um, kind of gets everybody on a, you know, stable footing, uh, stable footing, equal footing uh, for doing a centralized bank. You know, you just you have everybody more or less equal economically. So we can do the centralized banking. You know, everybody, we can have the entire world on this banking system. And to ensure your safety, we're going to track you and do all the stuff I was talking about earlier. Um, it's all, you know, no, no, no transaction fees needed for converting to euro from uh, the U.S. or vice versa or what, what have you. And there you go. We, we, we just do all that. And it's it, it, convenient. Um, they it dump it money into a, your account. You know, it won't be a dollar. It won't be a euro. It'll just be a credit, mm -hmm. whatever that yep. credit is. Yeah. And, it, and they've already talked about uh, giving people a $200 a month um, or is it 200 or uh, maybe I think it's that, 500, like 600, the UBI. Is it 500? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. They're, they're talking about doing that. The, the Fed is talking about doing that, which is the centralized banking system that we say isn't centralized, but it is because it's global. But some of the uh, organizations we talked about, the uh, what was it? The um, WeForm? Uh, that 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 group. That's what they're. Oh, World Economic about Forum. Is, yes, World Economic. Yeah, the Forum. World Economic Forum. Yeah, that's what they're talking about. Is is having one uniform government, one uniform currency, one uniform system, and they're talking about using the pandemic for it. So I mean, yeah, yeah, it's not not an issue, right? I mean, it, it'll be convenient and 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 it'll be for your safety and everyone's safety, and that's why we wear masks is for everyone's safety. So, yeah, I'm glad you mentioned masks. Kinda... I, I'm, I'm really glad you mentioned masks, especially for everyone's safety, because that's what it's all about, mm -hmm. right? It's about everyone's yeah. safety. It's about mm -hmm. protecting you. It's about protecting me. It's about protecting all of us, right? Isn't that what mask wearing is mm -hmm. all about? Mm -hmm. See, yeah. according mm -hmm. to doctors like Tom Hanks and Robert De Niro, mm -hmm. it's all about you. You're the chosen one. You're the hero. You see how they do that? You see how they make it about mm -hmm. you? See how they make totalitarianism about you rather than about the state, rather than about the fraud entertainers? It's all about you. So now masks have become a symbol of what? They've become a symbol of conformity. We did a podcast on it. Psychological trauma of public health. Go back and check it out. Oh, no. See, it's a sign of freedom. Oh, yes. Yes. Accor according to my governor, the despicable governor for my state, DeWine, this mask is a symbol of freedom. Mm -hmm. Well, then why aren't you wearing it? Why aren't you wearing it? Oh, as a matter of fact, he tested positive for COVID, then tested negative the same day. <laughs> How on earth do you do that? How on earth do you do that? Guess he wasn't wearing a mask for two hours. And then he, he once he put the mask on, then he was negative. That's the only thing I can think of. But anyway, DNR, which is the Department of Natural Resources, right? They have told their employees to wear masks. Listen to what I'm about to say. They have told their employees to wear masks during Zoom calls, even when they're at home alone. Did you hear what I just said? Wear masks during Zoom calls, even when they're home alone. They're telling their employees 
to wear face masks on teleconferences, even when they're not around others and are at no risk of spreading anything. The secretary, Preston Cole, remi- which I'm sure he's a I'm sure he's a stand up person, reminded employees in a July 31st email to tell that Governor Tony Evers mask order was going into effect the next day. That means every Department of Natural Resources employee must wear a mask while in a DNR facility. And he's an appointee of the Democratic governor. Also, this is a quote from him. Also wear your mask, even if you're at home, to participate in a virtual meeting that involves being seen, such as on a Zoom or another video conferencing platform by non-DNR staff. Set the safety example, which shows you as a DNR public service employee care about the health and safety of others. Uh, okay, so... Let, let me let me understand this. You're going to make people wear a mask when you're part of a teleconference, even when you're in your own home with no one else there as a symbol to show that you care about the health and safety of others. So how is this not symbolic? How, how is this? How is this not showing that it's symbolic? How is this not showing that it's not about public health? This is not about health. This is not about safety. This is about conformity. Fauci said it himself. He said the same Fa- thing that it's, Fauci uh, does. Fauci yeah. says wear a moon suit, sure. you know, Fa- Fauci says, wear well, a moon yeah, suit. yeah. But he said that the mask is uh, more or less for for you, the, the psyche of those around you. It's just for show. Virtue signaling, if you will. As Mr. Ziegler said, a signal of your great virtue. Uh-huh. From a medical perspective, masks need to be worn at home only in limited situations. Uh-huh. Such as to protect people if someone living with them has COVID-19. Okay. Beyond that, there is not a reason to routinely wear a mask in your home if that risk isn't there. Um, so why would you have why would you have their employees doing it? I mean, that just kind of I mean, if it were me, I would say have a nice day. Here's my resignation. I don't have time for this. I really don't have time for this. This type of mentality, this is a cult that's showing its face. But instead, I would say it's a cult that's taking the mask off. (laughs) That doesn't work, does it? Like that analogy doesn't work. Because in this cult, to be a member of this cult, you have to wear the mask. That's what it's about. People have to get it through their heads. And I still see people driving around with it, like in their cars with the windows up, gloved up and masked up. I still see that. Like, I'm still seeing that. And I can't get over the fact that these people are terrified. Bruce, I was I was at the gym a couple of days ago and I went to grab because there's there's cleaners and sanitizers and stuff all over the place. Right. And I went to grab a bottle like there's this guy standing in front of a sanitation station where you, you got these spray cleaners and towels and everything where you wipe everything down. And He's standing there and there's two bottles on the thing and he's standing there grabbing one. He's like spraying it into a thing. Well, I just slip in there real quick and grab a hold of that other bottle and I was walking off with it. This guy freaked. He flipped out because I broke that social distancing. He like he jumped to get out of the way. This is how on edge people are. Do, Do people not understand what's happening? Do you not see what this type of atmosphere is doing to create the anxiety in people and, and to create this animosity towards one another. This guy was ready to, it looked like this guy was ready to, to hit me, but he would have broken social distancing. <laughs> so, I mean, <laughs> he was terrified. I couldn't believe it. I could not believe it. The anxiety numbers are off the charts. And this type of policy where you're making people wear it at a Zoom meet, this is the most ridiculous thing I think I've seen up to this point. This is stupid. This is as bad as that paranoid person who's driving a car with their windows up, 
panic that they're going to die if they take that mask off. That's how bad it is. At what point, at what point do people, I mean, if it were me, if it were me, I mean, I, I wouldn't care. If it were me, I would just say, you know what? I'm not, forget it. I'll join your teleconference. Yeah. If you want to hear what I've got to say, then I will jump in your teleconference. Am I at home alone? Yes, I'm at home alone. Am I wearing a mask? Hell no, I'm not wearing a mask. And how do you like that? Going to fire me? I mean, that's what needs to happen. I don't know what else to say to it. This doesn't stop until people start pushing back on a mass scale. And it starts with one person. It always starts with one person or one group of people pushing back. It has to come from somewhere. What do you think about this mask wearing in the DNR? Uh, yeah, I, I'm, I'm not doing it. Not happening. I mean, they can they can complain and whine that, you know, all, all they want. And I'm of the same opinion. If you want me to wear a mask and... Um, uh, on a on a Zoom call, you're gonna have to fire me. Simple as that. Speaking of government bureaucracies, since we're talking about the DNR there, which I, you know what, I I don't like government bureaucracies myself. I, I think they're a mess. I think they're overpaid, they're bloated, and they really don't have much of a purpose outside of such as like a skeleton structure, that type of thing. Something to maintain regulatory status, and that's about all you need. The people can take care of the rest. We can do that at the local level, the state level, and on up. So. Why do we need these big bloated bureaucracies? Why do we need those things? What good are they? Everybody knows what I'm talking about. The type of thing where you go somewhere, you go to a tax office or whatever it is, and you're trying to get answers from somebody. I know somebody that walked into an IRS office once to ask a question about a tax form, and they didn't even have any idea what it was. You work in an IRS office. You're an employee of the Internal Revenue Service, and you don't know. You should be well versed in every tax form. Now, granted, if it's something that's, you know, corporate tax or whatever. Okay, that's different. All right, I get it. But any kind of basic tax form such as, oh, I don't know, a 1040, you should be able to answer that question. How much of a mess is an organization such as uh, the basic income taxes? A 1040EZ, for example, which for those outside the United States that don't know what I'm talking about, that is the most simple tax form that you can fill out every year. The most simple one. You're a single person. You have no dependencies. You have no assets of any kind or or really of anything, but you're filling out a simple tax form. You're maybe for example, if you're 17, 18 years old and you're working a part-time job, you're filling out a 1040 easy. Okay. That one page, okay, it's one it's one piece of paper. Technically it's two pages. One page front and back. Okay. One piece of paper front and back. So there's two pages. You have 78 pages worth of instructions on how to fill out those two pages. It's the most ridiculous thing I've ever seen. You go past a place like the Department of Agriculture, 14-story building, people sitting behind desks in there all the way up through there. What in the world are they doing? What on earth could you be doing in there? The amount of waste when it comes to government bureaucracies is beyond comprehension. Bruce, the Bureau of Land Management, we don't need that kind of thing. Why do we have it? It's a mess. It's a damn mess. And it's a disgrace on top of it. All these all these things. One of the biggest government bureaucracies that I've seen in the last 20 years, which is quite frankly, I, th I think is uh, it's almost one of the most useless organizations on the planet. And that's the Department of Homeland Security. Now, I'm not criticizing the average person that works for DHS. But the fact is, is DHS has given us things like the TSA uh, and all that. And and on top of that, it's become an umbrella. So everything is pretty much under DHS now. Uh, I think FEMA is even under DHS and, and all that stuff. So it was created to become this, essentially, it was the head of this uh, massive bureaucracy. So you created, you, you took like 15 bureaucracies and you made them into one. That's what you did. And it became this bloated over overarching structure. And it's just, it's a mess. This right here, this is what caught me off guard today. This caught me off guard. And I have to say... And we're going to we're going to talk about this here for a minute, because I have to say I can't really disagree with this. I can't. The ACLU, 
who I think is probably one of the most criminal organizations in American history, next to only, you know, organized crime groups that operate underground. The ACLU, right? Might as well be a domestic terrorist organization. I'll even go that far with it. Because these people work to destroy the civility of the society, not ensure it, like their organization's charter states. But they've come out today and they've said that they want to dismantle the Department of Homeland Security. Now, I can't say that I disagree with that. I, I can't say that I disagree with that. I hold that organization responsible. These, the inception of that organization, let me put it that way. The inception of that organization 20 years ago is what has put us in this predicament we're in right now. We allowed that organization to be created because 9-11 happened. We wouldn't have accepted it any other way. They rammed it through on us because we were scared and we didn't know what in the world we were doing. We threw our common sense to the wind. So we just said, do whatever you need to do. So they created that. We allowed the TSA to be created. How many terrorists have they caught? None. <laughs> Less than none, if that's possible. Yeah. It's ridiculous. What good are they? Oh, it's a deterrent. Really? You're less safe now than what you were. All you see at the airports, all you see at the train stations, that's smoke and mirrors. You're not safe. So the ACLU's come out and they've said that they want to dismantle the Department of Homeland Security. They want to abolish it. I can't say that I disagree with that. I'm, I'm all for that. But here's where I think the difference is going to be. They say that it's nearly 20 years of abuse, waste, and corruption and it demonstrates, just those things alone, demonstrates the failure of the DHS experiment. Many knew DHS to be an ineffective super agency, but President Trump has converted, of course, they had to do this part, has converted DHS into our government's most notable badge of shame, which is, yeah, okay. No, the fact that it was created in and of itself is a notable badge of shame. Trump is just using the DHS because it's already there. That's all he's doing. On top of that, you've got all of these other organizations now under it. So if someone is a federal officer and they're being sent to, oh, I don't know, uh, Portland, for example, to stop the burning down of the federal courthouse, uh, what umbrella is that underneath of? It's under DHS. They want to abolish it for a different reason. You know, they, they want to abolish it because they, I think, want to dismantle everything underneath of it. They want to get rid of all of it. So it's not enough to just get rid of DHS. See, that's where we differ. I want to get rid of DHS. I want DHS gone. But that doesn't mean that I want all the agencies within it to disappear. All I want is I want everything to revert back to what it was, where we have individual accountability for each independent agency. That's all I want. Because right now we don't have any oversight. We've got oversight of one agency, but you've got all that other bloated bureaucracy mixed up into it. How are we supposed to hold anyone accountable for that? If someone does some wrong or a team of people do something wrong, how are you supposed to hold any type of uh, prosecutorial authority over those people? How is there any kind of accountability? The ACLU, I'm sure here, they want to get rid of everything. They want to get rid of it all. They've got 20 agencies in all of this. And you're talking about a quarter of a million employees, roughly. Mm -hmm. So getting rid of all of these agencies simultaneously, that's what the ACLU's goal is. That's not what needs to happen here. What needs to happen here is you just need to get rid of the overarching structure. You need to get rid of the umbrella of DHS and you need to revert because it's largely ineffective and it's really done nothing. It's done nothing. And there, like I said, there's no accountability. What do you think, Ruth? So I do not like Homeland Security as a department. I'm with you. I would rather it be all separated. Honestly, this used to be Many of the, um, I don't know, departments or, or some departments of, of Homeland Security were their own, you know, like Treasury, Justice Department, um, uh, Agriculture, like they were all part of uh, various other departments. And then they just kind of put them all under the same umbrella. I would rather everything go back to those. You know, I mean, you have things like Coast Guard, Secret Service, uh, FEMA. 
border protections, customs, I mean, immigration stuff, like all of that is under Homeland Security instead of being their own department, you know, as you were saying, and, and those departments specifically being under their own. Why do we need so many departments anyway? That, that's my other thing, right? I have um, a list here. I have a list here of everything we have under U.S. Customs Service, Immigration and Naturalization Services, Federal Protective Service, Transportation Security Administration, TSA, Federal Law Enforcement Training Center, Animal and Plant Health Inspection Service. I didn't even know we had such a thing. Federal Emergency Management, FEMA, Strategic National Stockpile, National Disaster Medical System, Health and Human Services. That's um, yeah, that's that's the um, well, you know what that is. That's for all this pandemic response stuff. Nuclear mm-hmm. Incident Response Team, Domestic Emergency Support Team, Center for Domestic Preparedness, a CBRN Countermeasures, which is under the Department of Energy, Environmental Measures Laboratory, National Biological Warfare Defense Analysis Center, Plum Island Animal Disease Center, Federal Computer Incident Response Center, National Communication System, National Infrastructure Protection Center, Energy Security and Assurance Program, and the U.S. Coast Guard and the U.S. Secret Service. I thought Secret Service was still under Treasury. So... Uh, I believe what you're reading there, uh, if it's the same chart I'm looking at, the ones you just read was the original agency. That's who they originally were. Yes, that's the original agency. These are all under DHS. Yes. Whereas Secret Service, I think, is still under Treasury, even though it's technically Homeland Security. But yeah. Yeah. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off there. But just to give people an idea of how much this entails. Yeah. Yeah. So but I'm with you on getting rid of it and just have everything separated. You know, I, I don't want it being one centralized thing. This is the third largest cabinet in, in our government. They, they, as you said, they employ almost a quarter of a million people. You know, I'm, of course, I'm, I'm against some of the departments in there of, you know, the, the offices there like TSA. Yeah, we don't need that. If an airport wants to have any kind of like security and whatnot, they can hire their own. You want security for international stuff. I mean, that can go under um, customs, right? I mean, that that's that, that's fine there, um, or or what have you. But I don't know. I, I I'm just uh, just all this other stuff is just it's bloated. We need to trim it down. We need to cut the expenses. Why do we have an agricultural department, for example? Why do we need it? I, I don't have an answer for you if that's what you're asking, or if it was rhetorical. I'm not sure. It, it was kind of both. I, I, it was rhetorical if you didn't have an answer. Yeah. Um, I don't have an answer. Know, obviously, an answer. Yeah. If you don't. Yeah. I I mean, some of these. I, I don't. I don't. <laughs> I don't understand some of these. Uh, some of these. Some of these are like, um, for example, the um, uh, National Biological Warfare Defense Analyst Center. Okay, well, that that that's defense. That's like uh, that's that's military kind of a thing, right? But that's also has an effect for the civilian. And I don't know that one. I'm okay with because it's defense, and that that is an actual real threat. So when it comes to defense, I'm generally speaking, I'm I'm for it. Generally speaking, because that's one of the requirements of the federal government that I have. They provide for defense. They provide for treaties uh, or, or deals between nations and whatnot and ensure our rights, you know, protect us from foreign domestic threats. And uh, that's all I, I expect them to do. Well, as far as possibly dismantling organizations and cutting money to them, I mean, we're all about that, right? We're, we're all about that. We're all about cutting government bureaucracies. We're all about getting rid of things and cutting good excess waste. Yeah, good luck with it. But in some cases, you kind of need to spend some money. You kind of need to spend some money yeah. when it comes to government. You do uh, when it comes mm-hmm. to certain agencies, most notably the police department. What have we been seeing mm-hmm. lately? Mm, got to defund the police. Nah, that's the that's that's a racist institution. <laughs> we got mm, to yeah. defund the police, mm-hmm. right? I mean, what a joke! Right. What a joke! 
Oh, no, 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 no. We've got to disband the police. It's not enough to defund them. We've got to disband them. We've got to get rid of them. Well, oddly enough, not every city is on board with that. We always hear about the cities. Yeah, we always hear about the cities that want to defund the police, right? We hear about the protest groups that go out there and call for the defunding of police. We see the riots in certain cities that say they want to defund the police. Yes, because you're out there rioting. You want to get rid of the police. What do you think is going to happen after you get rid of the police? Well, you're just going to go away. You're just going to you're just going to leave. You're going to be peaceful after you defund the police and get rid of the police because you're rioting now. So that just shows what kind of a law abiding citizen you're going to be afterwards. Right. So what cities are actually going to keep their police department? Who's pushing more money into their police departments? We're not hearing too much about that, are we? We're not hearing about the no. cities that want to keep their police. We're not hearing about the cities that want to put more money into their police departments and increase their budgets. We're not hearing about that. So we've got a list of some cities that are actually putting more money to their police departments. And to be honest with you, that's what you need to do in this case. With what's happening across the country, you're talking about defunding the police when you've got riots and looting. Well, how much sense does that make? What kind of reasoning is that? Fort Worth and Dallas, Texas. So DFW, that whole area down there. Now, mind you, I think pretty much I think all these cities, these are all blue cities, by the way. I'm just throwing that out there because I don't think there's I think the one city that's not blue is Reno and it's it's purple, I think, because it's an independent Fort Worth. Right. DFW. On Tuesday, they unveiled a fiscal 2021 budget that increased the public safety spending that expands the police department's mental health crisis intervention team, which that's what they want. Right. They want social workers. Mm -hmm. They want more Mm -hmm. social workers. So this makes sense. And they've got a big homeless problem down there in DFW. They've also boosted their police funding an additional $542 million. And the police chief said that her focus is countering and responding to violent crime. But she does support, quote, reimagining public safety, which this seems to be the thing now. This seems to be the new talking point. Well, it's not defund the police. It's reimagine public safety. That's that's kind of what it's seemingly turning into. Houston, Texas. City officials in June passed a budget to give the police an extra $20 million a year. So now the police department has an annual budget of $964 million. San Antonio. The city council in San Antonio, Texas, proposed $487 million for policing. That's an $8 million increase from this year. So next year, they'll get an additional $8 million. That'll give them an opportunity to hire some more officers, maybe. You know, give them a little bit more of a help. Missoula, Montana. The Democratic mayor, John Engen, proposed a 3.4% increase to the city's police budget, which would bring it to $19 million. The new money includes $100,000 to launch a program focused on bias and racism in policing. You know what that's going to be? That's going to be re-education. Charlotte, North Carolina. This summer, they approved a $5 million hike that gives police $290 million in the next fiscal year. But it comes with a ban on purchase of chemical agents such as tear gas. We can't use tear gas anymore. It's too hateful. Uh, Des Moines, Iowa, they're going to get an additional $2.7 million. Next year, they'll have a total of $75.7 million to spend. Honolulu, Hawaii, which is really strange because Hawaii is very blue down there. They're throwing an additional $10 million in funding to public safety. So next year, they will have an additional $10 million. So that'll bring up their annual budget to $320 million. The money will also pay for body cameras for officers and new hires. A majority of residents on Oahu said the funding should remain the same as last year. Manchester, New Hampshire, they're boosting the spending by $2 million, including hiring for 10 new community police officers. Washington, D.C., 
DC's seen a little bit of a problem, which isn't there a protest coming up, Bruce, in DC? Isn't, isn't there a thing coming up? They're going to occupy the White House or something? Huh. That'll be that'll be fun. They're, they're going to. No, I'm serious. They're going to lay siege. Like the, the left is talking about how they're going to lay siege to the White House starting in September. Hmm. That's going to go over well. You haven't heard about this? Uh, I haven't heard of it. Oh, yeah. They're going to completely surround the White House until Trump resigns in September. Oh, hmm. that's um, that's okay. going to go over I, well for him. Yeah. yeah I, I mean, I thought I thought you'd heard about that. I'm not being facetious. No, I'm I being haven't. serious. OK. Hmm. Yeah, that's coming. Okay. Uh, this is September when they're saying they're going to do September. This? I don't know the exact date. You could probably look up and see if you can find anything out. But there's an organization that's going to lay siege. See if you can pull it. But anyway, I'll do the D.C. thing here real quick. Washington, right. D.C. Well, see if you can find something on that. Washington, D.C., the mayor there proposed an increase in the Metropolitan Police Department funding by 3.3% for a total of $580 million the next fiscal year. The city council, however, denied her request and ended up cutting the budget $15 million last month. So at least they tried. They didn't really they weren't successful, but at least they tried. Did you find something on the laying siege to the White House? Yeah. Uh, so it's a far left group. Yeah. They have uh, uh-huh. ties with the Occupy movement. Occupy. OK. And yeah, I, I think these are the same guys that did Occupy Wall Street. And, you know, they were the socialists saying that capitalism is evil and, you know, down with the one. Right. All right. That. Yeah. Michael Moore was down there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, they're saying that uh, they're going to start doing this uh, this protest, quote unquote, or siege. Really, the the flyer says siege, uh, September seventeenth. So uh, uh, it says they they seek to inspire a global movement of systemic change, uh, a global spring, a cultural heave towards a new world order, and they're recruiting for a revolution. Uh-huh. Uh huh. That doesn't sound extreme or, or anything. Not at all. No, that doesn't sound like a problem at all. Sounds like a peaceful protest. You know, something you might want to bring the kids out to. I mean, that's what I'm getting from it. And they're saying basically they want to lay siege uh, to the White House for exactly 50 days. This was tweeted out last month, actually. Yeah, I knew it was an ongoing plan, but I didn't know exactly when they were starting. I knew it was coming in September, but I didn't. Okay, so about a month from now is when it's going to start. Which, okay, you know, show up. Show up at the White House, get your five hour protest on, do what you're going to do and then go home. And you know what they're going to do. You you know what they're going to do. They're going to set up camp out there like a bunch of bums and they're going to stop people from being able to be tourists and go through, get their picture taken out in front of the White House. They're going to menace people that walk by and they're going to be given pretty much immunity because they're not going to get prosecuted for anything. I'm sorry if you're out there sleeping on a sidewalk. I mean, I don't care what any any lousy stinking DA says across any U.S. city. If you're out there sleeping on a sidewalk, that's a crime. Now, if you're a homeless individual and you can't help it, okay, okay, right? I, I can make an exception, but society, we can deal with that over a period of time. All right, I get it. So I'm not saying anything about someone that doesn't have a home. But these people come from homes, but they're choosing to go out there and sleep on a sidewalk to prove a point. And what are you going to do by doing that? What what are you proving? This uh, this group that tweeted out the uh, the little ad for this uh, siege, yeah. Uh-huh. Their Twitter handle is uh, Adbusters, right? Adbusters. Uh, that, they, that sounds familiar. Isn't that that Canadian group? Uh-huh. They are well. They they claim to be a global network of activists, artists, designers, hackers, tricksters, poets, philosophers, and punks. Um, uh-huh. One of the tweets after that. They said, hoping for a hashtag revolution, right? It says, uh, and they, they they post a meme, basically. It says, the Black Death helped end feudalism and serfdom. 
the Great Depression gave us fascism and the New Deal. What do you think Corona will bring? So clearly they're trying to exploit. Um, they're, they're opportunists. They're trying to exploit the system, which, you know, whether or not coronavirus was a opportunistic moment they're just trying to utilize or this was a planned thing we can debate about. Nonetheless, whether or not it was planned or not, they're trying to use this to over overthrow the entire global uh, government system. So uh, more or less, they're trying to overthrow the Western system and then all the other governments will more or less follow suit because the Western world does uh, impact a huge amount of the, well, it, it impacts the entire world. Uh, basically, capitalism has brought up other nations out of poverty and they rely on the Western world in a lot of cases for tourism, for buying products, you know. Uh, so, yeah, it, it's you get you. you you conquer the Western world, you pretty much own the entire world. So, Bruce, you want to go to D.C. in a month? I'll, I'll meet you there. Yeah, I don't I don't think I want to be associated in at all. In you, that, you don't uh, want to hang around with these uh, th this group of stand up individuals, the ones that are out there advocating for change in a positive direction for society. Mm, yes. Yes. Uh, <laughs> bunch hashtag of revolution. Yeah, bunch yeah. of degenerates. Those people, you, you people, you ought to be ashamed of yourselves. You really ought to be ashamed of yourselves. But clearly, clearly, these people don't have a job. Clearly, they don't. Because if they had a job, they wouldn't be able to be out there doing that. And I want to know who's paying for them to be out there. Who's paying for that? Because you know that what what are they just going to go out there and they're going to beg for food? Someone's going to be trucking in their meals. Someone's going to be giving them drinks. Someone's going to be paying for whatever bad habits they got. Uh, be out, I'm sure they'll be out there smoking dope on the sidewalks. Someone's going oh, to have to pay had, for uh, that. You had... Um What's his name that went to uh, Chop and and was doing the um somebody uh, Elijah no Elijah Schaefer when he went oh, down yes. there yeah he he was handed magic mushrooms for just showing up um, really and Chop yeah I don't I don't know if you've seen that that video no yeah. I didn't he would, I didn't see that up and yeah he said they were handing out drugs and all kinds of stuff there so yeah that yeah that's that's not wow. a problem at all right it, it's all good no no see Bruce that's all about being a free spirit isn't it. Mm, yeah, free spirit. Mm -hmm, yeah, mm -hmm. free spirit. Yeah, do do your drugs. Yeah, do do your drugs, man. <laughs> A free spirit bound by drugs. Yeah. Hippies of the new age. That's what they are. Hippies of the new age. If you think that those people were all about peace, love, and rock and roll, I got another thing. No, I, I'm not even gonna. No, it, it, seriously. If I got yeah, I got a bridge in Arizona. I'm ready to sell you. I mean, that's mm -hmm. that's what it is. It's lunacy. It's absolute lunacy. You go back and you look at that particular era. That was pure evil. Anyway, we are out of time today, unfortunately, but it's been a fascinating conversation as always, Bruce. Love getting your take on things. Thanks for talking about the cashless society. I know we weren't really planning on that, but what do we ever plan mm -hmm. anyway? For those of you who have not, you would like to, please do give us a follow on the social media platform of Parlor. Love getting all your feedback, your echoes, your likes, your upvotes. And we do respond to all of your feedback uh, when you do send it to us. So please do uh, drop us a line if you so choose. You can follow me over there at Anderson 3 You can follow Marty at Marty Foster. Also, you can drop us a line via email. You don't have to do it through social media if you don't want to. You can drop us a line at tips at dynamicindependence.com. You can address it to myself. You can address it to Bruce, GP, Marty, anybody else we have on around here. We would ask you to please pass this along to friends and family. We'd like for this audience to grow as much as possible by you giving us a shout out to friends and family. Word of mouth, that's going to help us grow and it's going to help us create better content and do more around here. So thank you all very much. Also, if you could please give us a rating in your spare time, uh, if you're if you're listening to us, I almost said if you're watching us, if you're listening to us on Apple Podcasts or whatever respective platform, they have a rating system, please do give us a rating. We would really appreciate that as well. Thank you for your time today, Bruce. And from all of us here, wherever you are in the world, we thank you for listening because it's all of you that listen that 
that make this all possible. We love you, and we love freedom and independence, and together we'll continue to fight for those in the marketplace of ideas. So we'll see all of you tomorrow.